Well, it's good to see you again, and uh, welcome to our midweek service. I hope that you will take the time to go to our website, gracewayokc.org. I know most of you already know that, but just in case. And uh, if you'll look under the uh, resources tab, and you'll find in there where you can get uh, information about our church, what we're doing and all that, and also find our newsletter. And the newsletter is important because, um, especially for members, you can keep up with one another and find ways to minister to people, to pray for them, uh, people that might need a phone call or a maybe even a, a card or a letter or something like that, or some type of ministry, and so we can keep that going. And we don't ever want to take those things for granted. You can keep up with offerings, and we do appreciate and encourage you to continue to give. And uh, we need that, and uh, our expenses continue to go on, as you know. And uh, we are also going to be opening more things up as time goes on, and we want you to be aware of those things. So uh, look at the newsletter, and you'll find things to pray for and things to kind of keep yourself connected and informed on that, and it's very important to uh, do that. We have been looking in the Psalms, and currently we're in Psalm 103. We're all familiar with the first part of it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And last week we uh, talked about some of the reasons why David would say this. Why would he talk to himself? He's not saying, all of you bless the Lord. I mean, that would be a good thing. There certainly would be nothing wrong with that, except David's not saying that. He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Talking to himself. Challenging and commanding himself to do what he ought to do. And not to forget his benefits. We tend as humans to sink into this thing of, well, the Lord really hadn't done anything for me. If we had a, a, a group of a hundred people here and I were to say something like this. And I mean, I've done this. And uh, what has the Lord done for you lately? And crickets, you know. And maybe there's somebody said, oh, I almost got hit by a car or uh, my great aunt, you know, had COVID and she's home from the hospital now. And those things are legitimate. I, I don't mean to be putting that down at all. But we tend to think about the fact that God hasn't really done anything for us unless we've avoided a car wreck or unless we've had an answered prayer, you know, that we can visibly see. Other than that, we might just kind of say, well, I don't really think that the Lord has done anything for me. That's our natural human condition. I think our study in Exodus on Sunday morning will show you that that's typical even for the people of God who have been delivered from Egypt, who walked through the Red Sea. But by the time they get to a certain condition, it's like, well, what are we going to drink? And what are we going to eat? Oh, the Lord's just brought us out here to die. You ever felt like that? Maybe you didn't actually use those words, but you just kind of got depressed. And I'm not talking about uh, the type of depression that's organic, where there's an actual physical cause, chemical imbalance or something. I'm talking about the purely emotional thing that we allow ourselves to sink into because we think that life is not going well or it's not fair or God's not doing anything. You ever know anybody like that? 
They're kind of like Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh. And uh, everything is just kind of negative and it sinks down and God's just being better to everybody else except me. I've got a terrible life and all of that. And we sink down in there. And I'm talking about that kind of where we have a choice. We can either go down or we can go the other way. And David is saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And here's an important part. Forget none of his benefits. And then we looked at some of those. Because the truth of the matter is, you would not be alive today if it were not by the will and the sustaining power of a sovereign God. You would not be having any pleasure in life at all if it were not for the blessing and the benefit of God in your life. I mean, after all, I mean, you could be living in a cave in Afghanistan running for your life from the Taliban. You could be in a prison in Iran simply because you're a Christian. I mean, there's a lot of things to where your life could be Nothing but abject misery. And yet we sit in air-conditioned comfort with full bellies, watching television and complaining about our life because we don't have what someone else has or our life is not going the direction someone else's life is going. We need to forget none of his benefits and start thinking about what God has done and is doing and what he has promised for us in days to come. But we also made the point that David also could have been saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, because when you are the king sitting on a throne and you have everything you could possibly want and you have servants that do whatever you desire and you have wealth and power and prestige and everywhere you go there are crowds that are you know, uh, saying, long live the king and all of that type of thing. You know, you could get the big head. And blessing the Lord might humble you and bring you back down to earth, might bring you down to the point to where you remember his benefits. And maybe it's at that point David remember being in the caves running from King Saul. It might be at that point that David might think about how many times someone has tried to assassinate him and the plot was uncovered and his life was spared I mean who knows and so this will work either way you want to go so here's the thing are you getting the big head getting too big for your britches are you kind of forgetting about God living independently of God and just kind of acting as though God owes you well, then you need to start blessing the Lord and get your priorities in order and forget none of his benefits because he has done a lot for you and you would have nothing to look forward to but misery and death and an eternity in hell if it had not been for him. Are you kind of on the other end of things to where you look and you just don't like life the way it is right now? And I don't know that any of us are completely happy with it in this situation, we're tired of face masks, we're tired of quarantines, we're tired of, I mean, in our family alone, and I don't mean just Sammy and me, but our kids and grandkids, 
Seems like every time we turn around, somebody is being quarantined from school or church or something like that because they've been exposed or there's a possible exposure. I think Taylor and his family have done that at least twice. And uh, Jeremy and Chelsea have done that in uh, Hugo and, and those kind of things. And we're tired of that kind of stuff. I don't know what you think about the election that just took place. But, uh, you know, if you're like a typical Oklahoman, you're probably not happy with the outcome of that uh, because Oklahoma overwhelmingly voted for Mr. Trump. Doesn't look like he is going to be uh, serving another term. I don't know. It's still being litigated. We'll find out, I guess. But we look at a lot of things and a lot of reasons to be negative. I mean, all you have to do is read people, even Christian people's posts on Facebook and it is like we are living in the worst possible times on earth. And here we are with internet and communication, with plenty of clothing, plenty of food. I mean, almost like I was saying a while ago. And here we are complaining about things and being down about things. We've forgotten about the Lord's benefits. And we have taken his salvation and deliverance and we act like that the love of God and the mercy of God is just no big deal. And the truth is, and I think you know this and I know this instinctively as a believer, it is a big deal to be loved by God and to have his mercy. And so David moves on to uh, give us some more counsel and, uh, well, I guess giving himself more counsel. And it makes me think of Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, I can't always rejoice in circumstances, but I can rejoice in the Lord. And that's kind of what he means. It's in the same vein as blessing the Lord. I may not be able to say anything good about my circumstances, but I can say something good about the Lord, can't I? The Bible says in verse 6, Psalm 103, verse 6, follow along with me. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts or his deeds to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger, aren't you glad, and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He doesn't hold a grudge, does he? Verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. What would that look like if he did? Nor punished us according to to our iniquities. Now you may not be the worst sinner on earth. You may not be the worst sinner in Oklahoma City. You may not be the worst sinner in Graceway. But you've got enough. And you've got enough to send you to hell. You've got enough that God would be absolutely just and righteous in putting you into eternal misery being under his wrath for eternity. You've got enough of that. And yet David is stopping to think about the fact that even if my life as a human being were not so good, were not so blessed, I still have a lot to rejoice over and bless the Lord for 
because I'm not in hell and I'm not under the wrath of God. See, that's a good thing. And that's the starting point for all of us. That ought to lift us up out of our doldrums. I've been favored by God, and I'm under the covering of the blood of Christ, shielded from the wrath of God that I fully deserve because of the sacrifice of an innocent one, the God-man, who fully paid for all of my sins and I've trusted in him, and I surrender to him as Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Somebody ought to say amen to that. That is a good and great and wonderful thing that we experience. But if we break these verses down, and we think about why we should rejoice in the Lord, or bless the Lord, or say good things about the Lord, and why we should trust in him, and find our hope in him, The first thing that I would call your attention to is because the Lord is unstoppable. Did you notice when we got in verse 6, it says, He, it doesn't say, will execute righteousness. Not someday, not in the uh, eschaton, the end of the age, but it's present tense. The Lord right now executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Now, when it says he executes it, it doesn't mean he's killing it. We tend to think of an execution in terms of the death penalty. To execute something, well, for example, um, our president is the head of the executive branch of our government. The uh, Congress is supposed to make the laws. The Supreme Court is supposed to make sure that those laws line up with our Constitution. And the president in the executive branch is to execute those laws or make sure that they are carried out. What is David saying here? The Lord right now, present tense, is carrying out righteousness and justice For all who are oppressed. That's what he is doing now. He's unstoppable. Now notice David doesn't say the Lord would do this if we had the right kind of leadership. The Lord would do this if we had the right kind of laws. The Lord would do this if people would stand up and vote right or act right or Uh, whatever he doesn't say that because the Lord is unstoppable no matter who's on the throne no matter how his people are acting no matter uh, what is going on in the culture this is what the Lord is doing now we don't always see it and we don't always understand it but the Bible says this is what is being done now think about it people and governments are corrupt period You know, they're kind of investigating voter fraud right now. Well, one of the things that we know is in every election, there is always voter fraud. There are always ballots that are declared ineligible or, um, you know, unfit, or they call them a spoiled ballot. Uh, Always there's something that is going on like that. And hopefully it doesn't change the outcome, but... um, That uh, is one of the things that always happens. Even the very best when people are elected or appointed or whatever they do when they serve, they're depraved individuals who will have trouble keeping their personal feelings and opinions out of things. It's got to be hard to be in a position of power and not use that power for your own benefit or the benefit of people that you love. It's got to be difficult. And uh, that's always going to happen. That is nothing new. 
George Washington struggled with that. Abraham Lincoln struggled with those types of things, just like you do and I do. And the Lord looks past the powerful who are corrupted, and he is the one who keeps records and one day will set everything straight. And sometimes we even see it now. Sometimes there are government leaders who have horrible plans to carry out and they die of a heart attack. They die of a stroke. They die of old age. They die of assassination or something like that. And we don't know how many lives are saved and we don't know how the course of history is changed because of war or because of treachery or because of any of those kind of things that may be considered you know normal in a corrupt and fallen world and yet when we look at all of that how does it turn out sometimes very very good we can look through the old testament history and how many times was a wicked king uh, killed and he died an untimely death so that a righteous king could step into place and then Israel has a time of blessing and a time of revival how many times do those things happen here on earth that we don't even know about the Lord is always working the Lord is always executing righteousness and justice for the oppressed And his eyes are on everyone, and he sees everything, and even the heart of the king, Solomon said, is in the hand of God. And he turns it like the rivers of water wherever he wishes. But the Lord's eyes are not only on the king. He sees you, and he sees your tears. He feels your pain. He knows when injustice has come against you. He sees all of that. And one day, the Lord is going to set all of that perfectly right, I guess we would say, when he comes to rule and reign. And you are going to be rewarded for bearing up under all of that. And what are you supposed to do while you're under the injustice? What David said, you bless the Lord during all of that time because the Lord is unstoppable and his plan his purpose and his righteousness will be carried out mark it down mark it down number two notice that we bless the Lord because the Lord is clear he doesn't just set us out here and say do what uh, would please me well what is that Lord I'm not telling you you know just just make sure you get it right Can you imagine if we were playing a big game with the Lord and the Lord was in heaven and all you ever got from him is, you're getting warm, you're getting warm. Oh, you're getting cold, you're getting cold. Wouldn't that be a miserable and terrible thing? But notice in verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses. Now, that is uh, David's way of saying when he made things known to Moses, what did Moses do with the things that God made known to him. He wrote them down. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are the books written by Moses. This is a reference to not just Moses sort of knew what to do, but you don't. It's a reference to the one who gave us the law of God. 
I know sometimes we call it the law of Moses, but it's actually the law of God given through Moses. And Moses wrote it down. Moses wrote it down and God preserved it. It's a reference here to the scripture. God makes his will and his ways known clearly through the scripture, through the word of God. And so when you sit down and read your Bible, you are having an encounter with God, whether you know it or not, just as much as Moses did when he was by the burning bush. It's an amazing thing. And he made, his, made known his ways to Moses. That also tells us here that Moses didn't discover the ways of God and just happened to get lucky and get it right. It had to be revealed to him because his ways are not found and we don't instinctively know them. We don't know them because of a voice inside of us or an audible voice outside of us. We go to his word. They are revealed to us. They're written and preserved for us. The Lord makes things clear. Now, are there things we don't know and things we don't understand? Yes, the Bible doesn't tell us everything about God and about the way he rules and about the universe and it doesn't tell us everything about all of those things. In fact, Deuteronomy 29, 29 specifically tells us the secret things belong to the Lord. And so uh, whenever there's some things you don't know and some things the Bible doesn't reveal, you don't need to know them. Now, is that meaning that God is obscuring all of that? No, the things that matter are clear. We know about morality. You ever read the Ten Commandments? They're not the Ten Suggestions. And we find a lot of people in our culture, even people in the church, violate those kind of things. How many people do you hear throw out a casual, Oh my God! The Bible says not to use the name of the Lord your God in vain and yet it's all the time you know what vain means it means don't use the name of God in an empty uh, fashion just as a byword you know I've heard people all my life say well oh Lord well good Lord and all of that and they wouldn't really by our standards consider to be cussing when they do that but I think when you think about the commandments Maybe they need to rethink that because we use God's name in such a casual way. But here's another thing. Did you know you could be singing a song in church about the Lord and every word of that song is true. But while you're singing that song, you're thinking about where you're going to go eat after church. You're thinking about uh, somebody that um, maybe didn't speak to you that day and it kind of ticked you off. You're thinking about what a lousy job the Sunday school teacher did or you're dreading the preaching or something like that. And yet at the same time you're singing about the glory, the majesty and the splendor and the sovereignty and the greatness and the holiness of God. That would be using the name of the Lord your God in vain because you're not thinking. You're being casual and you're being flippant about all of it. And we do those kind of things all the time, don't we? You think about the command where it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh my goodness, you talk about shutting a nation down. We are a nation of adulterers, aren't we? Think about the pornography epidemic. Think about how many people you know that have affairs and uh, premarital sex. 
and extramarital sex and all of those kind of things that go on. I mean, it is everywhere and it is rampant. We're not even surprised. We're not even shocked by it anymore. Think about all of the births that are out of wedlock. Think about all of those things that are going on in our nation. Think about homosexuality and all of the um, things that go along with that. I mean, it's sex outside of marriage is what we're talking about of any kind. And you think about the fact that Jesus said it begins in the heart and if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, it's not just that he walked, uh, she walked by and he noticed. That's not adultery. It's when he looks the second time. It's when he looks with the intent to lust. Okay? And guess what happens? He's committed adultery in his heart. That even expands it and makes it worse. Not to mention, he told us, that if you harbor hatred in your heart towards someone then you're guilty of murder. How many murderers are not on death row? How many murderers will never be tried and convicted or executed or imprisoned for life because they simply murdered in the heart and we act like, well, that's not really a big deal. Well, Jesus says that it is. You see, it's enough of a sin to send you to hell if God were to treat you as this psalm says, according to your sins. And when we think about all of that, we think about gathering here and all of the things God sees and all of the things that God knows about us so that even when we gather in church in order to worship Him, what is it that really rises up? Is it a sweet-smelling aroma of worship? Or is it the stench of covered-up, hidden, horrific scandalous sins those kind of sins that we would die if they were ever exposed so we keep them inside and yet we are supposed to expose them to whom to the lord and that's why first john 1 9 is written if we confess our sins agree with god is what that means then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We don't cover them. We don't excuse them. We don't act like they're no big deal. We don't say to God, well, at least I didn't do what someone else did. We take it to the Lord and we expose that to him. In fact, in the book of James, it says, and then we also get help. We hold ourselves accountable and we confess our faults to one another. I don't think that means we get up in front of the whole church or we get on social media and just broadcast everything that we've done. I think what it means is we need a friend. We need somebody who will pray with us, somebody who will understand who we are, somebody who will hold us accountable. In AA, they call it a sponsor. Maybe that's what we need in churches is we need a sponsor. And we need to be checking in with each other and upholding one another and uh, doing things like that to uh, you know, understand the Lord and who he is and to... Trust him because in his word, that word that has been made clear, there's another thing. Number three that we find out is that the Lord is a forgiving God. That's his nature to forgive. He's enthusiastic about forgiving. He gets glory through forgiving your sin. Joshua told Achan in the seventh chapter of Joshua when uh, Achan sinned and brought defeat to the nation of Israel, the armies of Israel, he told him to confess your sin and give glory to God. Did you know every time you confess your sin, you're giving glory to God? Because he's merciful, verse 8, 
and he is gracious. He's slow to anger. He's not a hothead. And he is also abounding in mercy. There's always more, always more. In fact, his mercies are new every morning because you need it. You need those new morning mercies. And he's not always going to strive with us. The word strive there sometimes is used in terms of a, a prosecutor who is constantly bringing charges against someone. Uh, the Lord's not always going to do that. In fact, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he cast your sin as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more. And nor will he keep us, uh, or nor will he keep his anger forever. And so uh, who needs mercy and grace? Well, all of us do, even Christians, right? And notice the descriptors that are here, slow and abounding, those type of things. And notice that he is the one who restores us. You have a God who fully knows your sins, who hates your sins enough to nail his own son to the cross and punish him for that. He hates, he hates your sin. Okay? And yet he doesn't hate you. And through the sacrifice of Christ, he is able to abundantly pardon and give you his mercy. You know, you understand a whole lot more about that theologically than David did. David knew some, but he was an Old Testament believer. He didn't have any of the New Testament written. He had the law of God, and he understood he could never keep the law of God, and he understood that every time he slit a lamb's throat and put that lamb on the altar, there was only one reason he did that, and that's because he had not been able to keep the rest of the law. You see, the Pharisees got it wrong. They were proud of the fact that they offered the right sacrifices without ever understanding that the fact that they had to offer the sacrifice meant that they were as unrighteous as anyone else. They thought it made them righteous. They didn't understand. It revealed their unrighteousness. That's why they needed the sacrifice. Well, David at least got that right. And he knew a Messiah would come, but he didn't understand what you do. Another reason to bless the Lord, right? And number four, because the Lord is, and use this word advisedly, infinitely merciful. Infinitely merciful. You'll never run out of mercy. You'll never run beyond his grace. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Because you know what that would mean, right? nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy. And here's something that you ought not leave out. You see, if I said those first things that I've just uh, read out of the, uh, this last verse, most people in the world would agree and they would say, see, God is a loving God. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. I can do anything that I want, live any way, the way that I want, and, and oh, I don't have anything to worry about. Well, let's jam the brake on now and come to a screeching halt because we finish the verses by saying, he's all of that toward those who fear him. Now all of a sudden the world hates my message. Now all of a sudden the world goes from nodding and smiling and saying, oh yeah, you know, God is so good and, uh, you know, he doesn't really care about our sins. Now all of a sudden they realize he does care. 
there's a qualifier there toward those who fear him. Fear him. We take God seriously. We honor him. We bow before the cross and we accept the payment of Jesus Christ on that cross as the only, the only way that we could be forgiven and that his death is complete atonement. It covers all of our sin and we're, uh, the price is paid for in full and we yield to him as Lord and Savior of our lives. Jesus is Lord is the cry of the church. This is great news, great news for those who are qualified by that last line. Those who fear him receive infinite mercy. Those who don't receive his wrath and they are dealt with one day according to their sin and according to their iniquity and punished accordingly. And that's a terrifying thought. If he doesn't deal with us uh, according to our sins, it's because a sacrifice has been offered. And a specific sacrifice, not just any sacrifice. You see, even Cain and Abel, one sacrifice was accepted and one was not. That's what we need to think about. If you're offering the unacceptable sacrifice, the sacrifice of a reformed life, the sacrifice of turning over a new leaf, the sacrifice of going to church or something like that, you're going to die and go straight to hell. There's only one sacrifice God accepts, and that is the sacrifice of his son, the spotless lamb of God that was pictured in the Old Testament lambs that were offered, the lambs that David would have offered. And a sacrifice that can absorb his anger, and that is only and totally the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you trusted in that sacrifice alone? Alone is an important word for your salvation. It's grace alone, faith alone, through the word of God alone, and through Christ Jesus alone. That's the only way that you can be saved. And that is the reason to bless the Lord regardless of your circumstances. Think of what he has done for you. Think of how he treats you. And maybe even think about how he doesn't treat you. And when you go to the why, it's not just because you have a charmed life or you're a good person or you're, you know, uh, one of his favorites or something. It's all because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the one who died on that cross who sits at the right hand of God the Father with nail prints in his hands and feet. To God be the glory. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Amen. And may the Lord bless you.